Coming up on episode 45 of Anchor Persons. I don't want to oversell this one, but there's a ninja in it. Does a bear piss in the woods? Look, if you had one shot or one opportunity to sell people overpriced leftovers, would you capture it or just let it slip? Don't be such a pushover. Take the plunge. And what does the Wild West have to do with a grilled cheese standoff? Stay tuned to learn. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Anchor Persons. From the south and east of the Northwest, the land of trees and rivers, now in 60 shades of gray, it's Anchor Persons with Gene and Greg Person. Featuring sports, emotional weather, food crime, the podcast shopping network, and more. Anchors weigh you down. Cut loose with your news. Here's Gene and Greg. Good evening, wherever you are, whoever you are, and welcome to Anchor Persons. I'm Gene Person. And I'm Greg Person. No relation. Anchor Persons is a news show for people who don't like news shows, by people who don't like news shows. And right now, I'm going to do something that almost no news shows that I saw today would be willing to do and admit that it's probably very unlikely that the Zodiac Killer has actually been discovered. Well, it, we, we uh, discovered that pretty definitively during the 2016 presidential campaign, didn't we? It's Ted Cruz? Yes, yes, of course. Of course, that's been covered. Forgive me. I was remiss. Let's get into tonight's story beats. An anti-vax Trump supporter cartoonist has contracted a bad case of COVID-19 and is using beet juice to treat himself. The man, who in addition to being a cartoonist is a volunteer Lackawanna County Sheriff's deputy, is also relying on the healing properties of bears and Battlestar Galactica. A recent report says that there are thousands of pedophiles in the French Catholic Church, but it doesn't say which one. So let's just be safe and board them all up. A breathtaking new report reveals the most likely cause of the so-called Havana syndrome is in fact crickets, which isn't to say it's all made up or psychosomatic, though it should be noted that crickets do have a rich history of acting as people's consciences. A children's book has been returned to a Toronto library after 43 years. I don't know who these children are, but you'd think they'd be grown up by now. J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon this week defended his $30 million per year salary. He reminded customers and employees alike that the board determines his salary, that we all exist in a so-called free market, and that adrenochrome is very, very expensive. An Ohio man got so mad at his car after crashing it that he shot it with a shotgun. Please, nobody tell him who really caused the crash. A recent international survey has come to the conclusion that everyone, every single person on Earth, gets gassy sometimes. Surprising news, since a competing survey taken amongst the persons in our studio found that, almost universally, he who smelt it, dealt it. A missing man in Turkey joined the search party looking for him for hours before realizing he was the one he was after. So you might say he led them on a... Wild goose chase. Police in Eastbourne, Sussex, were called after a person taking insulin was mistaken for a heroin user. This would never happen in the USA because, of course, we can't afford insulin here. A 77-year-old Japanese man experiencing side effects of COVID is the first to be diagnosed with restless anus syndrome. The rights to his story have been purchased by Pornhub, and he will be played in the film by Mindy Mink. All right, enough about the news. Let's get on to main news. The Wild West, as everybody in the world knows, is essentially a fantasy setting 
that we in America made out of our own fairly recent history. And uh, it's used as a setting for all kinds of stories. And although its popularity waxes and wanes, it'll never entirely die. Okay, so that's that's the goal. This week we're changing things up a bit for our top story. We're going to try to tie that to an actual news story. And my news story this week, the grilled cheese standoff. A Maryland man has been arrested after an interesting incident in which a protracted standoff with law enforcement started when a family member took a bite out of his grilled cheese sandwich. The dispute began around 5 p.m. The man was eating with his wife and daughter and became angry when one of them, the article doesn't specify which, took a bite out of a sandwich, prompting him to fire a gunshot inside the house. The wife and daughter were able to safely leave the house, but the man barricaded himself inside. The standoff stretched on until just before 9 p.m. when the man surrendered to police. This is a fortunate story in that nobody was injured. The man was taken to a hospital for evaluation, but will likely face charges for menacing, reckless endangerment, and, of course, bringing a gun to a sandwich fight, which I needn't remind you carries a Gouda-sized penalty. Greg? Okay, so, I mean, the first obvious connection is there's gunplay, there's a standoff. Mm-hmm. Which, and- you know, that's that's really common in your Western films, and uh, I assume in your Western novels. Not really a genre I, I've, of a uh, novel I've read heavily. But oh, you know, I would if you're only ever going to read one Western novel in your entire life, you have to read True Grit. I, I have not read True Grit, but I absolutely would. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably I'm a huge fan of Elmore Leonard, so mm-hmm. I'll probably pick up some of his at some point. Oh, yeah. But, you know, uh, yeah, I once had the uh, complete collection of uh, Elmore Leonard Western short stories. Mm hmm. Don't know where it is now, but God damn, it was good. Every single one was fire. Probably won't uh, read much of Louis L'Amour. I don't pretend to be a cowboy in 2021, and that seems to be the type. Well, I'm going to push back on that a little bit. I think you actually are the perfect audience for this because you are a middle-aged dad, and you (laughs) very much enjoy your role as a middle-aged dad. I think it's probably time for you to start reading Louis L'Amour, the author for middle-aged dads. Oh, man. Can't I just invest in, like, a box set of books about World War II or the Civil War? Yes, also acceptable. Okay, good. Good. Good to know. Awesome. Or like a Time Life series. Ooh, mm. I'm excited. Um, so I feel like firing off a gun based on someone biting your sandwich is is very in keeping with some of the Wild West archetypes we've met. Everyone's hot under the collar. Everyone's a little quick on the trigger yeah it's well that's a a trope of the genre for sure is like if you slight somebody in the smallest way all of a sudden guns come out right it's just in this case it's a mom and a daughter you know a wife and a daughter someone someone slighted him i mean how do we know the daughter just wasn't really hungry and like where does this guy get off not just making another sandwich what is it gonna take five minutes I bet you he's not the guy who makes the sandwiches. Oh, I'm sure he's not. I'm sure. But for fuck's sake, it's a grilled cheese sandwich. This is not a complicated procedure. Probably your third easiest sandwich. I mean, your num- your number one easiest sandwich is your peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. Yeah, that's super easy. Your second hardest sandwich is going to be like a bologna with some delicious Miracle Whip on it, where you got your cold cut 
and you got your condiment on the bread and that's it. Every Everything about that sounds disgusting to me. I mean, and there's actually some pretty good quality vegan bolognese. I will never have to stop eating bologna sandwiches and I never will because they're so good. No, 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 no. I had a really uh, bad incident in my personal history with uh, some bad bologna that I- I've never liked bologna since because I got very, very sick. And uh, I've never liked hot dogs either unless they're like kind of really high end hot dogs. Yeah, like your Hebrew nationals, they don't just taste like a stick of bologna. Your cheap right. hot dog is just a stick of bologna. But yeah. your your good hot dog where you're like, this is a sausage. Like that's different. Yeah. <laughs> I don't um I don't like Miracle Whip also, but we've we've discussed this at length in our own private life. Yeah, but I mean, you know, we talk about this probably like once every two weeks at least we have this conversation. We do. <laughs> we do. And, you know, I'm a big fan of mayo. I know you're not. I, I don't understand how you could not be. You don't understand how I could not be a fan of Miracle Whip. I, I just, I, I feel like this comes down to personal taste. I think everyone's right. And I think everyone's wrong. And so. Uh, well, here's the uh, thing. You can eat, you know, this is America. You can put disgusting hobo jizz on your sandwich if you want. No one will stop you. So, like, continue so, to eat mayo. Exactly. By all means, continue to eat Miracle Whip. I control the edit of this podcast. That's going to work out really well for me. <laughs> well, here's, here's, here's the thing, is that we are both agreeing that we're both allowed to, to eat rancid hobo jizz. Okay, so, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. The fact that we each think the other is doing it does not yeah. dim- diminish our own enjoyment of our preferred sandwich lubricant. Mm-hmm. Love me some rancid hobo juice. Yeah, make that the edit. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's a genuine laugh. Our first one ever on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so we've uh, we've addressed the overreaction to a very 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 small slight. The fact that there was a standoff is kind of within the realm of uh, Westerns too. Certainly mm-hmm. that's happened where people hole up when facing down the law. Luckily this guy didn't go all butch and Sundance and come out guns blazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, for starters, he's just the one. So is he butch or is he Sundance? I I, I don't I know whether like... he's butch or Sundance, but if he had come out firing, I mean, there's a fair chance that, uh, you know, he would have ended up looking like a piece of Swiss cheese, which not a very good uh, grilled cheese for, for grilled cheese too neutral tasting and i think it doesn't melt very well i don't know you get a good swiss and the flavor can be enough uh the melting is an issue though i agree i wonder have you ever shredded swiss i've never done shredded swiss but i wonder if that would would help with the melting problem no i mean i I assume it would you increase the surface area of a cheese it's definitely gonna melt better Sure. But um, I, I've also just never been a huge fan of Swiss. Oh, man, I love Swiss cheese, but my, it's not my favorite. My favorite cheese is, is Monterey Jack. I was just a big fan of the Rescue Rangers. Yep. No, that was the one. Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. You got yeah. Monterey Jack. Now, most people, of course, um, are gadget fans, and they all turned out to be perverts. Sure, but, sure. Um, yeah, I, I guess I did like that one. I liked the little mosquito guy. Because it, mm-hmm. it sort of implied a world where even the most basic animals were sentient. 
Mm. So like mm -hmm. every every mosquito, every fly, every worm would be you know wearing a little shirt and being like, hey, what's up? Yeah, this is this is very on topic for the grilled cheese standoff, I think. Well, we solved the Western connection instantly in like in like a couple of seconds. You're right. You're then right. We, so this time is ours. We can do what we want with it. Yeah, it's it's like when you show up to work and you have only one thing that actually needs to be done and then you have mm -hmm. a whole vast vista of time that stretches before you and you're like, "Okay, I got to do just enough to make it look like I'm working all day long." You know, so you you end up talking about sandwiches, you talk about cartoons you like, you know, you talk about various cheeses and uh, right. somehow you get through the end of the segment and you can move on to the next segment. All right. Speaking of moving on to the next segment, let's get into breaking news. A California woman claiming to be a shaman was arrested and charged after igniting a wildfire that is threatening thousands of homes in California. Uh, she claims the fire started inadvertently while she was attempting to boil some bear urine. Her name is Alexandra Sorvaneva, and uh, she's 30 years old, and by boiling some bear piss, she's already destroyed 41 homes and 90 other structures while endangering at least 2,300 more. Uh, she could face up to eight years if convicted. The perpetrator, eh? Eh? Mm-hmm. Yes, perpetrator. Pleaded not guilty, but is uh, suspected to have started other fires in California. She, she said she became thirsty, and then uh, she happened upon this puddle of bear piss and decided to make a fire to boil and purify it so she could drink it. You know, as you do. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the wood was too wet for the fire to start, so... She just drank the piss and continued on her way. But then she became caught in some brush and had to be rescued by the fire department. They requested that she empty her pockets and fanny pack and discovered CO2 canisters, a lighter, and a green leafy substance that she admitted to smoking. Authorities say she may have also dropped CO2 canisters at the location where the fire was started. Oddly, she's not unique in drinking bear piss while in the wilderness because a certain Mr. Grills has done the same. Now, I've I've been uh, doing journalism on this question for the last couple of minutes while you've been talking, by which I mean I've been trying to look stuff up on Google. And uh -huh. I can't seem to find anybody who can tell me how much a bear pisses. How big is a puddle of bear piss? Is it worth trying to collect and boil and drink? I mean, I know the answer to that question. I'm just saying purely, <laughs> purely in terms of volume, is it worth the effort? I have no idea. I don't I don't know how hydrating it would actually be. No, piss is the worst thing you can drink if you're dehydrated. Like that is Right. It's apart from being just common sense, it's also scientifically proven that like don't drink your own piss, please. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 if it's fresh, it's sterile, but well, sterile, sure. But it's also full of salts and all the waste products your body was trying to get rid of. Right. And that's the, those salts in particular, where you get into trouble if you're dehydrated, but I don't know if bear piss is, is as salty as human piss is. I mean, probably not as salty as my piss. <laughs> I mean, but this, this conversation is making it sound like we've both consumed some piss, which I want to 
to to unequivocally state is not the case. No, as a as a fact and also as a policy of the program and of the perineum group, we do not drink piss. This is not a piss drinking podcast. That's correct. I'm just saying I eat a lot of salt and mm-hmm. I assume that because of the amount of delicious salt that I eat, my piss is probably saltier than the average bear who doesn't have access to processed foods. Sure, sure. And I mean, your body secretes salt when you emit any kind of moisture, pretty much. Um, You know, uh, piss is is salty. um, Sweat is salty. This is this is why sometimes if you're working really hard, you need to take something like Gatorade or or Powerade. And you've got to tape your nipples up. Don't forget to tape your nipples, because if you're like running a marathon and the the sweat comes out, the salt actually makes your skin chafe. And you can... Is that why that happens? Like, Because I have 100% had nipple chafing, and I hated it. I might be making that up, but I'm pretty sure that's it. Um, Wow. Let me me do some more journalism on this question real quick. For some reason, I always thought it was the wind. Well, but you're also... um, Maybe the wind is just what, you know, aggravates the condition and makes it hurt more. I don't know. I'm I'm Googling why do runners tape their nips right now. Sweet. We're finding out all kinds of stuff this episode. Well, and that's what's beautiful about this show is it's not only the audience that learns things. We learn things, too. Right. You know, I'm reading this whole article on nipple chafing, but why does the nipple chafing happen? I think we both know. Senator. Oh. Uh, it looks like it actually is mostly the uh, skin or the the fabric rubbing on each other. Oh, okay. Because well, nipple chafing is that... actually worse in cool weather where you have the erect nipples. And that's that's what I've noticed is that it's usually uh, when I'm doing things in in cool weather that it happens when it's a little bit more on the chilly side. And it's it's definitely more of a problem for long distance runners. Uh, 35.7% mm. of people who ran 40 miles a week or more experienced jogger's nipple, which is what it's officially called, while only 3.6% of those who ran 15 miles a week or less did. I want to go back to the fact that it's called jogger's nipple. Yeah, That's, well, I, uh, I mean, what else would you call it, right? You could call it runner's nipple. You could, sure. You could just you could just call it nipple chafing. Yeah, but I mean, they like to do that when they name diseases, though. Like, you don't just have a sore elbow, you have tennis elbow. You don't just have a sore knee, you have housemaid's knee. These conditions do not have occupations, though, is, is my point. We don't need we don't need to be that specific. We don't. Yeah, but it's kind of fun, though, isn't it? I mean... No. I, I think it's... I'd rather say that I have, you know, tennis elbow or housemaid's knee than I would like to say, oh, my knee hurts. That's boring. Who gives a shit? Would you, would you rather... I guess, ju- would you I, rather I guess so. Say, I guess I have... I guess I have toddler's patience. <laughs> Right, exactly. All right, let's get into your uh, breaking news story. Okay. Now, this one is a weird one, and there's not a lot to say about it. There are a lot more questions than answers here. Uh, Short version is, a 35-year-old man dressed in full ninja garb and brandishing a katana uh, came up to a military pilot in a small uh, airport in L.A. It was the middle of the night. The guy was having a smoke. The ninja comes up to him, says, do you know who I am? 
And of course the guy doesn't. He's dressed all in black in the middle of the night. And then he asks the guy, do you know where my family is? But obviously if he doesn't know the answer to the first question, he doesn't know the answer to the second question. So after that, the ninja attacks with the sword, cuts the guy. The guy runs off, escapes, and he and his colleagues hunker down in a hangar until the police show up and tase the ninja. We do know the ninja's name. I'm not going to put it on the show because it's actually not relevant because we don't know why he was a ninja, why he was at this airfield at night. Or who has his family. Right. And I I feel like this this is what I'm saying. This is the classic setup for an 80s ninja movie. It really is. Is was the guy in the ninja outfit Michael Dudikoff? See, that's it could have been Michael Dudikoff. Could have been Michael Dudikoff. Could have been Don the Dragon. Could have been right. any number of, of 80s action heroes. So I did uh, read this story and I, I wanna point out that in addition to the tasing, which eventually is what stopped the ninja, they also tr- tried firing some non-lethal projectiles at him, which were quote ineffective. Obviously, you're not going to be able to hit a ninja with those. Come on. Right. I feel like this guy may have actually been a ninja. He's a master of the way of the shadow. Anything you shoot at him, he's going to cut it out of the air with his katana. Right. This is this is one of the coolest stories we've had on the show, frankly. I feel like a ninja dressed all in black going in to attack some soldiers at an airport. This could be G.I. Joe as well. It could be. But wasn't there a wasn't there a, a ninja dude who, who wore all black on G.I. Joe? I think he was one of the Cobra guys. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, so you're saying this guy works for Cobra. Right. Okay. Right. He's but... saying, where's my family? And and maybe he just he just thinks of Cobra as his family. Right. So he's asking about the Cobra commander who, as we know, is currently in Supermax in Colorado. Right. But I mean, so he didn't uh, throw down a smoke bomb and vanish, which is obviously what he should have done. I mean, it's, it's the, have you ever been to the California desert? It is like 100 percent flat. There's not a yeah, lot of places to hide out there. There's nowhere that he can go, really. I mean, even yeah. even Remo Williams had a hard time in that terrain. Oh my God, Remo Williams! Oh, you know I that love is a Remo blast Williams. from the past, my friend. Oh, thank you for that little dose of nostalgia. See, and that's another great series of middle-aged dad books you could get into is the Destroyer. Sure, those are they they are legit awesome. They really are. Get right on that. All right. Well, that that I think concludes our breaking news segment. Let's get into tonight's fake true story. Scientists say that so much Coke and Molly have entered the water supply as a result of the Glastonbury Music Festival that it poses a threat to local eels. While we don't know how they arrived at this conclusion, yes, we do. Have you noticed any of the eels acting differently? That one there just told me we should start a band. That one there just asked me to invest in his restaurant idea. That one there told me I was his best friend and we should go camping together. That one there is just listening to Ace of Spades on a loop. That one there keeps trying to beatbox. That one there just asked me if I wanted to ride in his Porsche 911. That one there told me he knows karate. That one there just told me that death is an artifact of the limits of our perception. That one there told me I was Goose and he was Maverick. That one there just bit clean through that pacifier. Them two there are fucking, but with very different energies. 
that one there keeps trying to join in. That one there just won't stop spinning. That one there just asked me if I was a cop. That one there just told me he was a cop. That one there just tried to lick my eyeball. That one there just told me he was an indigo child. That one there just told me he was Joe Biden's child. That one there really did have a Porsche 911. Greetings, gentle listeners. If you enjoy this podcast, you may also like Brosé, a mirthy talk show starring four bros who sip wine and consider questions submitted by you, the audience, about current events, pop culture, and which Muppet you should get tattooed on your back. Subscribe to Brosé wherever you get your podcasts. That's B-R-O-S-E. Brosé, the podcast for those who drink rosé. All right, now it is time for Touching Tips. This week's subject, fall events. If you plan on attending a pumpkin patch, please be on the alert and make sure Billy Corgan is nowhere near it. Stay frosty. Bobbing for apples is a wholesome game for the whole family. Appling for bobs is something different. Something darker. It is absolutely more fun to call a corn maze a maze maze. And we should have been doing that all along. Leaf peeping sounds perverted, But it is. If you happen to encounter any vampires or werewolves that are small in stature during your October festivities, be careful how you proceed, because there's a very small chance they're just children in disguise. The Monster Mash means different things to different people, so clarify your expectations before you commit to do it. All right, I guess it's time for sports! I thought about making some recommendations to change or innovate the sport of curling, but as it turns out, I didn't have to, because Russia has already done it for me. The Russian way of curling involves pushing cars over the ice. No engine power is used, nor are any brooms. A driver is allowed to steer while the team behind him pushes, but at no point does the car receive any power beyond the pushing. Just like in actual curling, the team closest to the target center wins. These cars are usually compact cars or minis and are modified so there's no glass for safety reasons. They also typically have the engines removed because that, you know, obviously adds quite a bit of weight. Still, there's one area where I feel like Russia can have a positive influence on America and it got me thinking, what other heavy shit can we curl with? Confederate statues. Oh my God. I mean... That's really coming full circle because at that point they become kind of useful. Right. Especially if at the end of it you just let them break through the ice. Yeah, I mean, well, think of all the all the great garbage we have in this wonderful land that is just sitting there in landfills. Old washing machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Sure. We could curl all that stuff and then it goes through the ice. Boom, it's gone forever. Problem yeah, solved. just because it's sitting in, in the water under the ice. I mean, that, there's not going to be any consequences for that. Should be fine. Okay, fantastic. Let's move on to our creature feature. Okay, now uh, you might have heard of the expression gene of a snipe hunt. Of course. that's. I, I, you know, I was a Boy Scout. That's Everyone who's ever been camping as a teenager heard about that. Well, now this is a practical joke that began 
the first recorded snipe hunt is in 1843 in the United States. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, the snipe is a real bird and you actually can hunt them. Um, they're actually hmm. a pretty cool looking little bird. They're, they're brown, but they got these dope racing stripes. And they got these okay. really cool long beaks for like probing into the mud. They look goofy, but also mm -hmm. really cool. Uh, they're common in the marshes of the Southeast United States and elsewhere. And uh, I would say, uh, Google these bad boys. It's actually, I think it might be snipe hunting season now, in fact. Mm. So, um, you know, just get out there with your stick and your burlap bag and go to town. All right. Sounds like fun. It is time for the emotional weather. This week's emotional weather, time warp, sword of Damocles, and touch a touch a touch me. Well, for my time warp story, I have a book recommendation for you. Uh, I'm most of the way through the seven and a half deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle, uh, which can best be described as an Agatha Christie style murder mystery crossed with Groundhog Day. It's really twisty because the, the sort of mechanic of the time loop is a little bit different. Um, it's really clever. It's beautifully written. Uh, the Seven and a Half Deaths mm -hmm. of Evelyn Hardcastle. Check it out. That sounds like a really fun read. Yeah, it is. For sure. My Time Warp story, even though it doesn't take place till November 7th, here's a quick reminder that we engage in Daylight Savings Time, that it is pretty stupid and benefits nobody, and that in about a month we need to adjust all over again. Granted, it's the easier adjustment, at least for me. It seems like every year there's a bunch of talk about how we're going to change this and do away with the whole system, but then nothing happens, which, you know, it checks out. That's pretty much the same deal with every issue we rely on politicians to fix. Yeah, it's like pennies. There's this thing that we all agree is dumb bullshit, and it would actually mm -hmm. save us a lot of trouble to get rid of it, and it's not like it would take any special effort, and then we just don't. We just don't do anything. Yeah, we just don't do anything. You know, it's like school shootings and uh, global right. warming. Yeah. You know. Fucking daylight savings time. This is ter terribly inconvenient things. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we swear we're going to fix them at some point, but then we don't. Yeah. We yep. just don't. On that cheery note, the Sword of Damocles, what can I say about the sense of impending doom that hasn't already been said? We're all feeling it. It's been in the air for a long time now. Uh, but I just want to say to you out there on a hopeful note, whenever doom comes, as it surely will, it's not here yet. So just really appreciate and treasure every moment, however many there turn out to be. I think that's really beautiful. I think that's a great way to, to interpret the story. I have not done that. <laughs> and so in light of, in light of the coming darkness, I'm going to open this part of my emotional weather by saying, and I mean this sincerely fart joke. Are you with me? I am. Okay. The U.S. government has now declared that 23 species thought to be endangered are now extinct. The list includes birds, fish, and other animals, but perhaps most prominently the ivory-billed woodpecker. One plant was also added to the list. There are currently 650 different species that are extinct. It's a sobering reminder that we never do enough, that we get in our own way, and that those very qualities will likely result someday in our adding our own species to the list. Again, I'm really sorry if this is too much of a downer category, but if it's any consolation, Facebook is back online now. Well, I have a ray of hope, Gene, if I may. 
Now, oh yeah, yeah, please. The thing about the endangered species list is they they declare them extinct if they just can't find them, right? Right. And presumably the the same government that we all hate and regard as incompetent is the ones looking for these animals. I mean, this is I I see where you're going. This is fair. Uh, they're probably fine. There's probably so many goddamn yeah. ivory build woodpeckers in the world that you're tripping over the goddamn things. Uh, let's move on to touch a touch a touch me. All right. Well, this is a fun one. Researchers at the University of Glasgow are proud to announce the invention of aero haptics. They pair holograms with strategically placed air jets to create a sensation of touch. And they say that as they refine their technique, you may even be able to shake hands with a hologram. Because that's what we want to do with holograms is shake their hands. These poor dumb bastards have no idea what they've done. <laughs> like, if, if you really understood anything at all about human nature, you would never have invented this. Because you don't want to be the one mopping it up. Right, right. 100%. This is a ticket for this is a ticket down the road for some hologram fucking. Mhm. Keep them up, handy scientists. <laughs> All right, my touch a touch a touch me news. A new study out of the Feinstein Institutes has demonstrated that a minimally invasive brain implant can actually restore a sense of touch in the fingertips of patients who are paralyzed, had a stroke, or peripheral neuropathy. It's a thin electrode, and it's able to reach the folds of the brain and increase sensory accuracy. As of now, the neurons are, uh, that are stimulated are only able to detect pressure and vibration, so a lot more fine-tuning and research will be need needed to uh, simulate full touch. But the effects were 100% felt in the fingertips, and this is a huge leap forward in this kind of research. First the fingertips, but pretty soon we're going to have hands, touching hands, Reaching out, touching me, touching you, ba ba ba, sweet Caroline. All right, Neil Diamond, always a nice touch. Uh, as you know, every week our investigative team uncovers a detailed and harrowing story on food crime. This week, Greg Person has a story. Greg, folks, Eminem has decided to disregard the lessons of Hulk Hogan's pasta mania and open his own gimmicky spaghetti restaurant. Mom's Spaghetti, you remember from 8 Mile, that movie from 20 fucking years ago? The, the <laughs> one line in the one rap from the movie 20 fucking years ago? The gimmick of this... But it's, it, it's a line that launched a thousand memes, It, it really so. did. And, and uh, so that's why it has the staying power to be the basis of an entire restaurant. Uh, the gimmick of which, apart from the 8 Mile tie-in, is that the spaghetti tastes like cheap leftovers on purpose. What? Yes, uh, according to one of the co-owners, this is a quote, We're proud of the fact that we created a scratch sauce that tastes like it's straight from the jar, and walk-firing the noodles gives it that leftover pasta snap. There are four items on the menu. Spaghetti, spaghetti with meatballs, spaghetti with vegan meatballs, and spaghetti sandwich. Prices range from $9 to $14 for these fake leftovers, with diners commenting, quote, $12 for spaghetti in Detroit. Goddamn. And, quote, 
$12 for meatballs. Are they autographed? I don't think I need to explain to the people at home why you shouldn't pay $12 for food that was made bad on purpose. So I'll just say fuck this and I'm glad it won't be open long. Yeah, this is horrible. I, why would you intentionally make it taste like crappy spaghetti? Like I'm, I'm, I'm as big a fan of anyone as like day old spaghetti because something happens to a pasta overnight that, that's really great. But um, only if it's got a good sauce, something straight out of the can. That's that's not what we want. Well, and it's not something that you can force either, because what happens is the the sauce has to actually physically get in the pasta and the starch from the right. pasta in turn has to get into the sauce. Right. You got to give right. those flavors time to marry up. You can't you can't fake that by throwing noodles in a wok. I mean, Gene, you're a, you're a pasta man of some renown. I have tasted your bolognese. It is delicious. Uh-huh. Like from from the standpoint of a person who has a deep connection to Italian cuisine, what do you think of this? Like, mm-hmm. should these people be burned at the stake, shot out of a cannon into the sun? Like, what's appropriate? I don't I don't know that I need to call for violence on any of this. I mean, it's not like they took a bite of my grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> Callbacks. But yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I don't think this is a good idea. Like, I think this is super gimmicky and not and and, and not in a fun way. It just it, it just feels like this this is going to be over very quickly. It really does. Yeah, this is like I, I I can't believe this is an actual restaurant, not just a pop up or something. Because it feels like this is a pop up ready idea, not anything with any kind of lasting power. Well, it started as a pop up, and apparently it was popular enough at uh, various music venues that they decided, let's just do this full-time as a restaurant christ i don't want to live in this world anymore all right um let's let's just move on to the podcast shopping network shall we Let's do okay so you're in the bathroom doing your business i don't need to know the details i don't pretend to know how much toilet paper you use or the other reasons your toilets clog hey we live in an imperfect world sometimes toilets just clog that's when you grab your friend. It's a me, Mario. No, 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 the plunger, which creates a pressure bubble and pushes out the clog. But if you use a plunger, you also risk splashback. Mamma mia! That's right, friend. Splashback is when you create so much motion that the water splashes back on you. It's pretty gross. And so I understand what the creators of today's product, Push Over Plunge, were attempting to stop. I'll also add that regular plungers get pretty dirty, coated in all kinds of yucky stuff. So there's that as well. Well, Pushover Plunger promises to be a cure to all of these toilet troubles. It's a vinyl plunger that fits over your bowl and works like a bellow. And it claims to deliver 25 times more pressurized air than a regular plunger. All while keeping your hands, body, and indeed the plunger itself clean. Woohoo! So... A bellow, in case you ever had a fantasy about pretending to be a medieval shitsmith. Sounds like a remarkable solution, right? Well, according to reviews online, it depends. If you happen to have an elongated toilet, it can work sometimes, as long as the pressure doesn't just force open the flapper on the toilet, which is apparently a problem with the thing. Others report that it's very difficult to get a tight seal and that air sometimes escapes under the vinyl. It is also apparently much more difficult to use on around toilets. 
The general consensus is that the idea is great, but the design is poorly executed. The pushover plunger retails for $10, plus $7 shipping and handling, but it's kind of a shit product. Am I the only one who uses a drain snake to unclog drains? I mean, I'll use a drain snake if, if the job calls for it, but... I mean, you can damage, particularly with a toilet, you can damage your porcelain, you can damage your pipes with a snake if you're not careful. So a plunger usually gets the job done. That's true. And and a, a plunger is, is a lot safer. It's kind of idiot proof. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I've unclogged a lot of toilets. Well, same. And same. I know my way around a drain snake by now. Mm. Believe me. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. And with that, we've reached the end of the podcast shopping network. Let's go. It's time for State Up, our weekly review of all the states in the union. Speaking of Mario, uh, our uh, state this week is New Jersey. New Jersey is one of the few states to still have a Latin motto Madon, Barabeng, Gabagoo. Ah, yes. Which translates roughly to Jim tan laundry i am familiar you know there are a lot of great musicians from new jersey but not in new jersey which should tell you something new jersey is known as the garden state because new york is better at pizza nevada is better at gambling and everyone else is better at nicknaming states in new jersey some say the guy that escaped into the pine barrens is still out there and if you can catch him he has to grant you three wishes. New Jersey prides itself on having more diners than anywhere else in the world, but they've broken other records too. For instance, New Jersey has more Chris Christie's than any other U.S. state. Our final segment tonight, as every week, is called Person to Person and Person, where we share your valuable feedback with our audience. Just one headline shared this week by a Tim, and it reads, Mark Zuckerberg loses $6 billion due to Facebook outage. The haiku. How will Mark survive? With grit, positivity, and $121.6 billion. Sorry, I feel like I went off the uh, the haiku scheme there, but is what it is. As always, I'd like to give a shout out to our bros at Brose and to our voiceover artist, Adam West, who you can find on Fiverr or at his website, awestprod.com. And of course, I want to thank you, all our loyal listeners, our beautiful Tims, our sister brother wives, our princes and princesses, my little cherubic babies, my beloved, my, my, my cherished, valued friends, who I would not hesitate to allow to take a bite of my grilled cheese sandwich. No gunplay involved. Well, I'll tell you this, if you take a bite out of my grilled cheese sandwich, it's fine because I don't fuck with cheese anymore. Folks, that's all the news the persons have for you tonight. Would you like a haiku written about the topic of your choice? Send your topic, and the anchor persons might just make that happen. Gene and Greg love your feedback, and there are so many ways to give it to them. Send them an email, anchorpersonspodcast at gmail.com. Find them on Twitter, at anchorpersons. Or visit their website, anchorpersonspodcast.com, where you can leave an audio message via SpeakPipe, as well as find full episodes of the show, blog posts, and more. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcatcher of your choice. Or simply tell a friend. Until next time. This is Gene Person saying, you should always end a comedy set with a callback. And this is Greg Person saying, Madel, 
Bada bing, gabagool. Good night. That one there just tried to restore a masterpiece. That one there just pooped in a box at Meyer. That one there is cracking his penis. That one there is measuring his penis with a USB cable. That one there is rinsing the fat off his beef. That one there is using the fat magnet. That one there worships Dupree Satan. That one there worships Dog the Bounty Hunter. That one there thinks he's Jeff Goldblum. That one there thinks he's Jeff Daniels. That one there is wearing a rejuvenate face mask. That one there is wearing sauna pants. That one there just harvested another one's nutsack. That one there just took a horse into a bedroom. That one there just pretended to be an FBI agent. That one there just yeeted his kid at an FBI agent. That one there is just listening to podcasts. That one there is just recording podcasts. That one there just finished recording the stinger for his podcast. <laughs>